0: Laws, rules, and regulations. How does the law that God gave Israel relate to the teaching of Messiah? We're exploring that today on the Bible Brief. When the Jews came back from their Babylonian and Persian exile away from the land of Canaan, they came back and had a new fervor for the law that God had given the nation long ago through Moses. These rules for life that God gave them that would allow them to live a blessed life in the land. Remember, the priest, Ezra, had taught them the law and explained it to the returned exiles so that they could be sure to do what it said. They didn't want to be exiled from the land again, and so they listened intently and taught their children after them. And for hundreds of years after Ezra, they continued to pass down this teaching and this fervor for obedience to the law. However, in the midst of this, Something else creeped in, a subtlety that needs to be understood to give some context to Jesus' ministry. The Jews began to believe that they could actually follow the law completely, to obey it to the uttermost, to essentially earn the blessing of God through their perfect obedience. They didn't understand that faith alone was the key to righteousness. And so, over time, different factions of Jews emerged that began to take varying and contradictory views and explanations of the law. They added rules around the law. They attempted to find loopholes. They reprioritized. And they essentially retrofitted the law to allow them to measure their own obedience. Instead of listening to and following the law itself, they began to elevate their twisted understanding of the law. Perhaps they thought, that being able to measure their obedience to the law would help them ensure their blessing in the land. The most significant faction of Jews that we meet in the New Testament is a faction called the Pharisees. And the Pharisees, they had little rules and regulations for everything under the sun. A good example of this is with the Sabbath, that one day per week where God commanded that no work should be done. The Pharisees had definitions and exceptions and detail after detail on how to fulfill this requirement to rest on the Sabbath. They had specific definitions on what constituted work and what didn't constitute work. How far could you walk on the Sabbath? They had a rule for that. Was helping during an emergency considered work? They had an answer for that. All these details allowed them to easily point fingers at others for disobeying the Sabbath. These rules really allowed them to have mental scoreboards and rankings. Since the details were set, measurement was possible and preferable. After all, they figured, if they wanted God's blessing, they'd need to be able to enforce righteousness in as many ways as possible. Now, the primary purpose of the law given by God through Moses was to govern the nation of Israel in the land of Canaan. These laws were to preserve and set apart the Israelites from the other nations and they were to demonstrate the righteousness and justice and the holiness of God to the other nations. But the law had another purpose too, to demonstrate the people's dependence upon God. The whole sacrificial system itself was a demonstration of the people's sin and dependence upon God for righteousness. People's inability to follow the law wholly was a reminder to them that they needed God's righteousness applied to them by faith faith like their forefather Abraham had. This second purpose of dependence and faith was substantially de-emphasized in the professional Jewish life of Jesus' day. The law of the Pharisees and other groups was a law for earning the approval and blessing of God. And it's in this context that Jesus delivers his most famous sermon to a large crowd. This is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus describes the people who will be citizens of his kingdom. He says this Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. In this beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is saying some of the highest concentration of blessing in the Bible. He is saying effectively that joy and happiness are with people like this. People of the kingdom are adopted as sons of God, and despite having difficulties, will be comforted and satisfied. Now, after this preamble about the kingdom citizens, He goes on to discuss the law. And he starts with a correction to stop the murmuring of some of those listening. Listen to this. He says, "...do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished." Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You can imagine being one of those Pharisees listening to Jesus right here all this talk about the citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And as Jesus begins talking about the law, he elevates the whole Old Testament, including the law, and he says that relaxing them or finding loopholes like the Pharisees had done would put you at the bottom of the ranks in heaven. And then he says that unless you're more righteous than the Pharisees, you won't even enter the kingdom. You can imagine that Jesus upset some of those Pharisees who considered themselves to be as righteous as one could be. Now, from here, Jesus gives example after example of the law and the true meaning and application of the law. He even has a consistent format. He does it like this. You've heard it said, and then he follows by a common understanding of the law. Then he says, but I say to you, followed by an explanation of the moral principle and application of the law. Let's listen to an example. You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now let's unpack that. Jesus says that the prohibition of adultery was not simply prohibition from physical adultery. It carried with it a non-lust principle, where looking with lustful intent was itself a violation of the law. This, in effect, heightened the commandment to a more difficult standard than was preached by those like the Pharisees. Further, for people like the Pharisees who wanted to see a righteousness scoreboard, seeing into someone's thoughts was a problem. Now this heightening of the law was characteristic of the teaching of Jesus, and he continues to do it throughout his ministry. Jesus provides a necessary correction to the measuring of righteousness by the Pharisees. They wanted to measure against each other, while Jesus was communicating something different. He was saying, you'll never measure up. Outside of God and his help, obedience to the law isn't actually attainable. And really, Jesus wasn't saying anything new about people's inability to follow the law. By the end of the book of Deuteronomy, way back when Moses is speaking to the people, we even see this principle. In Deuteronomy 30, it's God who causes obedience and love. It says this, That the Lord your God will change your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. God's heart-changing work is the necessary ingredient for true obedience to the law. Faith in God being the bridge between God's power to obey and man's need to obey. Faith again being the key to righteousness. And it's faith that determines the contrasting responses to the teaching of Jesus, like this Sermon on the Mount. Messiah teaches, and the faithful respond positively, while the self-righteous respond negatively. Now, the thing that happens right after the Sermon on the Mount is significant. Jesus heals a man's skin disease and then commands him to do something. Let's take a listen. When Jesus came down from the mountain— crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt down before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. The faith of this leper, the man with the skin disease, was demonstrated in his understanding that Jesus could heal him. He recognized Jesus' authority And he simply asked him to exercise that authority. And Jesus responded to this faith by healing the man's skin condition. And then comes a command to this former leper. Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. Not only did Jesus heal the man, but he demonstrated the same teaching about the law that he spoke in the Sermon on the Mount. He commanded that the healed man follow the law by offering a gift commanded in the law. And Jesus says that this is a proof for them, a proof to those who accused Jesus of neglecting the law. Jesus was proving that, as he said, he didn't come to abolish the law, but instead to fulfill it. He simply understood the law was deeper than merely the words of it. It was also the moral principles behind the words. Remember his example, that adultery is not permitted, but neither is looking upon a woman with lustful intent. Jesus emphasized the law and heightened it. Heightened it to the point of saying that those of the kingdom would have to be more righteous than the Pharisees. As Jesus' ministry progresses, we see responses like the leper here, people full of faith who would respond positively to Jesus and his message, future citizens of the kingdom. But we also see an increasing hostility from the religious leaders who don't like what Jesus is saying about the law and about them. In our next episode, we'll see more responses to Jesus and his message as he continues to challenge the Jews of his day with his profound teaching about God and about the law we'll see Jesus compare a Pharisee to one of those hated tax collectors. And you can imagine how they might react to that comparison. Thanks for listening to The Bible Brief. Are you enjoying the podcast? Leave us a five-star review on your podcast app. It will help people discover The Bible Brief and be exposed to the life-changing story and message of the Bible. Thank you for helping us grow. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2022.